The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to your Tuesday edition of Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. This show, of course, is also brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company, H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter, at HawaiianIsles.com. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Dan Bespris on Twitter. How about that? You can also Google Dan from Hoop Ball. As we've determined, that seems to be a pretty easy way to find me. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter. I am, uh, I admit, not quite as active as I was a month ago because I was staying up to 1, 2 in the morning just answering questions, but I am still all over the map uh, in terms of things to watch for, uh, injury news, stuff like that. We do a lot of work on Twitter, so definitely check that out as well. I'm going to do it at the beginning of today's podcast. Folks, if you've been enjoying Fantasy NBA today, please do rate and review the podcast. We would appreciate that forever. Literally forever. It's so dang important for us. I don't know why I didn't say damn. It's like I treated this thing like I was on an old baseball broadcast. It is so damn important for us to get all of these ratings and reviews. They add up. They're a big deal. If you have iTunes, if your friend has iTunes, if your phone has the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device, if your friend's phone has it, please, please, please find the podcast app. Somebody's phone you know has it. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title and scroll down to the bottom. I know many of you listen to this show in other ways, uh, but we need you, we need you, we need you now. Let's keep getting these ratings and reviews in. Every one of them helps push us a little bit farther up the charts. It's a big, big deal. So thank you to everybody that's done it, and thank you in advance for those that are thinking about doing it now. Coming up later in the podcast, we'll be talking to the great Josh Millman of HoopBall, one of our longtime writers here at hoop-ball.com. He is so funny. So fun, so funny, and so knowledgeable about fantasy. We're going to get into uh, some of his sort of specialty looks at players, meaning how do you separate the... the there's a whole lot of guys on a night-to-night, week-to-week basis that you kind of put right on the edge of rosters, guys that are on and off of rosters, off the waiver wire. How do we separate those guys into who truly belongs and how much they belong the guys that are on the fringe, the guys that you got to get rid of, and how do we deal with that? So we're going to, uh, Josh calls that his rock, paper, scissors. We're going to be talking about that here uh, in just a little bit. Obviously, we'll go over the large Monday results, a nine-game card. We had a lot of fun on Monday night. A lot of uh, actually lower-scoring games on Monday. Clippers, Indiana went under. Boston, Cleveland went under. Toronto, Chicago went under. Detroit, New Orleans went under. Sack Houston actually went over. Orlando-Milwaukee was under. Utah-Oklahoma City was under. Minnesota-Phoenix was, boy, pretty close. Was that under? Man, I mean, we we really legitimately might have a Monday night where, like, eight, seven or eight out of the nine games go way under the total. And that's a pretty fast way to determine if your fantasy guys probably had a good or bad evening. If everybody's not scoring, at least you're not alone. If you had some Clippers, if you had some Celtics, you had some Suns, some Thunder, those are the teams that sort of escaped, but it wasn't pretty. The question is, what order do we want to do this stuff in? Um, I'll figure it out on the fly. 
Again, thanks so much again for rating and reviewing the podcast. Give me a follow at Dan Bespers. Why don't we why don't we talk to our buddy Josh first? Here he is, ladies and gents, star of the show, the great Josh Millman. What's up, man? It's been a little while. Footballers, happy Hanukkah, people. <laughs> I know it's been a while, dude. <laughs> when does Hanukkah start this year? Is it the twenty first? Twenty yeah, I think the twenty first, twenty second, I don't know. Something Pick like a that. range of dates in, in, in the twenties and that's probably when it starts. You would think I would know this, but nah, I don't know. We don't uh, listen. Uh, we'll pull back the curtain on our <laughs> the life of the Jewish podcasters here. Uh, <laughs> we don't we don't look this stuff up until some relative is like, "When are we doing the Hanukkah party?" And we're like, "I don't know. When the hell is Hanukkah?" And then we Google it. Right? Uh, how you been? How's the fantasy t- stuff? How are your teams this year? The teams are okay. I, I it's I, I've got a couple leagues where I'm I'm doing great. The one of the the staff league, I'm actually doing really well. The uh, the one that you and I are in together, I'm treading water only because John Collins is just making mm. my life miserable right now. That's the weirdo eleven category league that I mentioned on the show. Sometimes. The weird, yes, yes, yeah. the well, weirdo eleven category league. Welcome to the weird. I'm just hanging in there. But I did make a pretty big blockbuster trade. You did. I, I you'd be proud of me. You did make a blockbuster trade. You you got your hopes hanging on whether or not Steph Curry's going to play again this year. Did I see that right, or did he go away from your team? He's no, no, no. He's on my team. I picked him up, but he was the throw-in. Yeah, that was crazy. The the, the trade was was Jokic for Jimmy Butler, and someone just threw in Steph Curry because they didn't want to hold and, on to and him he, anymore. And he, yeah, and you didn't want to hold on to him. Wow, that's wild. And I said, dude, like, wait a second. Like, is this really happening? Did I really just get this offer? And, and I you said, said you know okay. I, I, yeah, I said, sure, why not? Yeah, I think you kind of, yeah. You want to trade me Jimmy Butler? I like his, I like the cut of his jib. I like the cut of his jib as well. I think we we will take this talk offline. Yeah, I do. I do like his free throws. I'm a big fan of his free throws. Anyway, um, I thought it'd be fun. And I I mentioned it on yesterday's show, actually, that it's time for me to start talking to other people besides myself again. Um, We brought Brandon. (laughs) We got Brandon on the pod weekly. We got Brandon Day. And I feel like maybe we could use a little Josh Day. Is there? Yeah. Can we do a Josh Day? We can absolutely do a Josh Day. Uh, Josh, like by the this. way, of course, is a writer at Hoopball. Has been for a while. You've been with us so, almost since the beginning. You're one of the old guard here. I I am pretty old at this point. I'm ancient in real <laughs> life and in Hoopball life. We're Hoopball secretly is actually not that young of a of an organization. We're like a bunch of crotchety old men writing about <laughs> fantasy sports. Uh, you should hear us when we're when we're preparing for these things. How much we complain? Mostly about how our Centrum Silver isn't working the way that the uh, the bottle says it's <laughs> exactly. supposed to. Uh, Josh is at Josh Millman on Twitter. J O S H M I L L M A N. Follow him immediately. He takes your questions. And he'll get to them faster than I do. So uh, another good reason to hit him up on the Twitters. And you write a weekly article called The Fantasy Face Palm for Hoopball. You've got rock, paper, scissors. You've got all these fun things that you do that I thought we could port at least part of those into podcast territory. So uh, what do you want to talk about today? You want to do a little rock, paper, scissors? I love rock, paper, scissors. It brings me back to my childhood days. Uh, other than playing a a childhood fantasy game based on statistics from men much larger than us, we just love games around here, you know. So I, I figured I'd incorporate another one 
into my columns. So yes, so, my my work is the fantasy fa- face palm. You can uh, read it at hoop ball.com. That's hoop ball.com, people. Uh, yes, and one of the recurring elements is a game that you know is rock paper scissors. And and what I did was I took the concept of a rock, which is solid, mm-hmm. uh, paper, which is flimsy, and scissors, which you cut. And I just decided, all right, I'm going to assign some either hot names or fringy guys, kind of bordering top 100 or so, and just think, okay, based on what they've been doing, what I think they'll continue to do, just give them a little assignment based on some recent news. And that's the gist of it. And then we kind of just mix it up. So, uh, in terms of how do you, how do you create the crop of people that falls into the rock, paper, scissors department? How do, how do you get the, the, the roster, I guess is the question. Uh, I take a bunch of poop and I throw it at the wall <laughs> and see what sticks. Don't give I, away my trade secrets, Dan. No, but like, how do you, um, how do the, how do you come up with the names? Is this, uh, is, is, is again, these guys are the yeah, kind I'll, of the hot topic I'll, side of doors, sort of dudes? They're, they're hot topic, but also I'll just take a look at just some, some recent box scores, any games that I've watched or again, news, general rankings, and just think about, you know, like guys, again, I'll, I'll look at guys who may be in the top 75, like how did they get there? Or guys who have fallen out of, you know, maybe the top 125 and think, okay, can they get back? Uh, but it, it's really a combination of factors. And it's, it's, again, it could be guys that have risen up due to injury or are just playing out of their minds right now. It could be a combination of any one of those things. I don't have a specific science to it. It's just I try to think of guys that will fit those general narratives. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm sure it's the, uh, generally a lot of names that get tossed around in forums on Twitter, stuff like that. So why don't you get us going mm-hmm. here? Who is your first Who's your first rock? We're going to go Millman's Rock, Paper, Scissors here on Fantasy NBA Today. Give me the first rock. The first rock, and I feel like it's like... Dwayne, it's Dwayne, it's Dwayne the Rock. It's Dwayne the Rock Johnson, yes, exactly. Uh, No, uh, we can start with the same first letter of his name, though. Uh, Davis Bertans. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been crushing it. I mean, he's been crushing it. He's he's been absolute lights out. And I still think that there's just a general chunk of fantasy players that don't know what to do with him. And what you do with him is you hang on to him for dear life. So he is therefore a rock of mine. Um, I the reason why I actually chose Bertans is again I, I just seeing some of his outputs over the past you know what couple weeks or so or even even longer than that is just to see I wanted to see where he was ranked and I was stunned where he was ranked on a per game basis. And then I did one of those like little little mental exercises where I'm like, okay, who's this guy? comp to and i found like the perfect comp for him and and the guy is actually a he's only a few spots ahead of him or near him in in the general rankings and the the comp that i i saw was danilo gallinari hmm so who would you rather have between those two guys 
that I mean, so I, that was what I was asking myself. So I see, you know, Bertans is is averaging fourteen point nine points, three point eight threes per game, four and a half rebounds, one point six assists, um, about but point six steals, point six blocks, forty six percent shooting, and eighty seven percent from from the stripe. And Gallinari is eighteen point three points per game, two point seven three pointers, uh, five point seven rebounds. 2.1 assists, uh, 0.7 steals, almost no blocks. Uh, he's 40, 45% and 91% at the line. They're, they're basically identical. There, there's almost no difference between the two. And I'm trying to think because they've both recently been in trade rumors Although I think that Gallinari is probably the one that might be more likely to be moved. If I wanted to pick someone long term, I'm I'm going with Bertans right now. Wow. Okay. So if you had Gallinari, you would offer him up for Davis Bertans. If I had Gallinari, potentially, yes. Wow. That is a serious yeah, I, rock. I, I, I mean, this is a guy that was drafted basically at the end of fantasy drafts, probably in the 11th, 12th, 13th round. If that, if he wasn't True. just someone you, you went and grabbed off your wires. Yeah, he was on the wire in one of my leagues, and I hemmed and I hawed, and I missed it by like two hours while just thinking about who I was going to drop, and I'll obviously never forgive myself for that. He's number 41. Oh, yeah. He's number 41 in 9-cat right it's, now. It's crazy. It's crazy. So what about some of the other players nearby? It sounds to me, Josh, and obviously you know, there's been a little bit of a kick in the pants for him uh, since Thomas Bryant went down. That freed up a few more touches in the front court. Mm-hmm. If Bryant gets healthy, and that's a, it's an if right now because stress reactions are weird, does he take a little bit of a step back towards 50, 60, 70 range, or do you think he can hang out in the 40s the rest of the year? There might be a little bit of a step back, but if he steps back into you know that 50, 60 range, are, are we really complaining about that? No, I'm just sort Again, of trying like to get a said, feel for yeah, like we, you know what you could give up either to get him or what you might right, try to right. give away if you had him to sort of who's coming back to you. So let's let's play a little exercise I like to do with Brandon on the buy low sure. sell high, and that is you know you mentioned Gallo as one of the names near Bertans on the ranking list. Here are some other names near Davis Bertans. I think this is going to blow people's minds. Uh, it's, yeah, seriously. Like it, This is why I did this, because it blew my mind where he was. He's currently in 9-cat, obviously different than 8. He's currently ranked ahead of Donovan Mitchell in 9-cat. Uh, he's ahead of Jamal Murray on some ranking scales. He's ahead of guys like Demonis Sabonis, CJ McCollum, Tobias Harris, who's a love of mine, obviously. Uh and if I just rattle off a few names here, of basically like the guys five in front and 10 to 15 behind, the guys right in front of him, Jason Tatum, Nikola Jokic, Ben Simmons, Malcolm Brogdon, and then you heard a bunch of the names behind, which also includes Rob Covington, P.J. Tucker, uh, Gallo, who you just mentioned a moment ago, Jalen Brown, Jeremy Lamb, Rudy Gobert, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Bam Adebayo, who I think most people assume he's in the top 25, but he's at 53 because of the free throws, mm-hmm. Kevin Love. OG Ananobi, Evan Fournier. How many of those guys, and I know I, I rattle off a whole bunch of names real fast, but I'm assuming you're looking at a similar list in front of you. How many yes. of those guys would you have over Bertans or the other way around? Like, would if you had Bertans, would you offer him up for some of those names? If you had some of those names, besides Gallo, obviously, would you offer them up for Bertans? Where does he fall kind of in the, 
category of guys currently ranked near him and ability to to hold consistency in that range. I would I would look at guys who have, I suppose, done it before, and there's some sort of reliability. With and I think the only exception I'll make to that is is Bam Adebayo, uh, because he's great, and it's really just the the free throws that are tanking his ranking. But if I could get a Rob Covington or a Tobias Harris, uh, a Chris Middleton, even. I'll probably stop at guys like Kevin Love or Evan Fournier. That 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 might be a little bit of a stretch because I think Love got was hot to start the year, and Fournier was on a hot stretch now, and he's he's actually a sell high candidate to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that those are the guys we know. Look, Tobias Harris has routinely been in that range. So if someone if someone is I, and as much as I think Bertans can continue to stay in this range, because again, Washington really doesn't have, I don't know, like the, anyone else is that kind of secondary scorer besides Bradley Beal and the world is kind of crumbled all around them for now. So it, it's probably going to be another month before that ranking changes of his. But if someone is, if, if someone's literally playing by the rankings and, and is souring on, you know, Middleton, who's been hurt and is kind of, you know, is that, that kind of middling range? I, I would I would go for that. Would you rather have Davis Bertans or Boyan Bogdanovich? Those two guys have very similar stat Ooh. lines. Ooh. The turnovers right now are one of the biggest differences between the two, oddly enough. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good one. Um, hey, man, they, that's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. I, I You know what? I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to go with Davis Bertans. Interesting. I think I might go Boyan, but I you could split that one down the middle. Like, you could probably, if you had Boyan, you, I'm almost <laughs> certain you could lob him out there and you'd get Davis Bertans back, I think. I think, and I think the reason why I'm leaning towards Davis Bertans is one of the guys that we mentioned previously that's ranked right near him is Donovan Mitchell. And if we think that there's room for growth in his game, and he starts, you know, I don't know. He goes on one of his, you know, Donovan Mitchell type of tears where he needs to shoot the ball 25 times a game. Then you never know. Um, and that would probably eat at Bogdanovich's value a little bit. So I don't know. I, I just, yeah, you could split it either which way. But I think that Bertans right now, and I really think for the remainder of the season, barring anything like unforeseen, is that I think his value is going to be pretty steady because he is outstanding from deep mm. and the minutes are going to be there. The team's bad. So, you know, if, if they believe that he might be part of the team's future, then why not? What about going the other way now? What if you were trying to buy him? Cause that my, those questions I think was steering us in a direction of what would you sell him for? If you could get mm-hmm. a certain amount back, is this, isn't this sort of a bad time to try to buy him? Cause he's been hitting, 900 yeah, three-pointers a he's game sky high yeah i think we need to wait for like like yeah i i mean that's kind of like yeah, i'm a little bit contradictory but like at the same time like maybe if like you get like a bad game in there like let's say the the wizards get just get absolutely destroyed and he only has you know i don't know 10 points with nothing else then you say oh he was a fluke uh that that's where i'd come in and buy him because the, mm. the truth of the matter is is that like despite the Wizards being just utterly atrocious on defense, they've largely been in their games recently. Um, and so as long as they stay close, he's he's going to get the run, and they're going to give him the, the green light. 
All right, paper. Who's your paper guy? My here, I'll give you a paper guy, uh, and I feel like you'll appreciate him because he's an old man, Marcus Gasol. Yeah, I'm out on him. I don't know where you stay. I'm, I'm jumping in before your even your explanation comes through. I'm done. I'm I'm so done with Marcus Gasol. I've never seen somebody care so little about the offensive side of the floor. Yeah, I, I I'm 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 close, but then I'm like, is is he really going to shoot this poorly? The remainder of the season, it like like Marcus Ole is a veteran, and Toronto is going to try to win another championship. It may not it may not seem that way, but they are very good. And as little as he's involved on the offensive side of things, is it really realistic to expect that Marcus Ole is going to shoot thirty three percent the remainder of the year? The thing that weirds me out about Marcus Ole is that. He's taking only six shots a game, which isn't actually all that different from the seven he took with Toronto, but he was taking 13 mm-hmm. with Memphis last year before the trade. Mm-hmm. He, hasn't, he hasn't attempted fewer than uh, basically 11 shots a game prior to this Toronto stretch since 2011. I mean, you know, that was almost a decade ago we're talking about when he was just settling into the NBA. I, I just, I, I, I feel like he's decided he is on the floor for one reason, one reason alone, and that is to clog the lane in what is, frankly, a very smart defensive team. But mm-hmm. he's he's not engaged at all. Even if you crank his field goal percent up a little bit, you're, you're talking about, you know, like 2.8 makes out of 6.2 instead of 2. So what's that, another point? You know, what's a point and a half? Is he at 7.5 yeah. points instead of 6? I just, I feel like this roster spot is is getting chewed up for a lot of teams right now and I, I'd rather have something else. I'd rather go hunting for something fun. I'm inclined to agree with you. I I'm just thinking that there's a bit of pedigree involved oh, yeah. here. Yeah. And you I know just, I love portfolio. I yeah. And I just I I see, you know, a block plus per game. I see a three pointer plus per game. I see pretty good free throw percentage. I see, uh, you know, chips in rebounds, chips in assists. I'm thinking to myself, God, just make another shot or two. How hard is this? And then it's like, you know, like, and then just recalibrate your expectations if he does that. I mean, I, I get that, you know, even if he does that, what is he moving up to, like, at best, you know, top 125 or 100? But even still, that's rosterable. And if you're desperate, you need a center. Like, or if if the the Raptors are playing a four game week, you know what? You you kind of swallow your pride and say, you know what? Uh, as long as he doesn't submarine my field goal percentage, I can I can live with that. And that's probably the only reason why I'm hanging on for dear life. Because, like you said, yes, he knows he's there to just play defense, and he's not involved at all. And he looks like, yeah. Like, ah, he doesn't care. He's just kind of, he got his championship and now he's just kind of coasting. But the, but there are other things that make me think, you know what, there's still some value here. And maybe there's a little bit more if I squint my eyes hard enough. <laughs> so I'm not ready to give up quite yet. Okay, so what about from an actual value standpoint? Would you attempt to buy him? Because he is still pretty heavily rostered, mostly based on namesake. I feel like you could get him for pennies at this point. You could get him for pennies. If I knew that there was like, if, if I was 
trading a guy that I knew that I was going to cut, you know, just if someone wants to bet on, I, I, I don't even know who at this point, like someone who's like an Eric Pascal or something, you know, something like that, who's all offense and doesn't really do much else. And now it like Draymond Green may eat away at him a little bit. So I'm kind of, you know, again, he's a bit of a paper guy for me as well. Like maybe I'd consider that, but I don't feel strongly about it either which way. So, you know, again, it would be someone that I'm like pretty, pretty sure that like I have no interest in this guy. Goodbye. <laughs> you're singing the high praises of Marcus Gasol as you're telling I me know, to hold on. I him. know. Um, well, I shudder to ask you then, Josh. We're talking, mm-hmm. of course, to the wonderful Josh Millman at Josh Millman on Twitter. If he's your paper, then who's your, and I can't say this word without thinking of South Park, then who's your Caesar? I'm I'm rethinking this, but I figured it's worth the debate. Uh, R.J. Barrett. Ooh, that is a a dynamite scissor. Mm -hmm. And not the South Park kind. He's ranked 276 right now, which... I feel like people are aware that he hasn't been good, but I don't think people are aware of truly how much he is crushing Roto teams at the moment with a field goal percent of 39 and a half and free throw percent high volume 53%. I'm not going to argue with you on this one, but uh, Josh, what are some of the, the reasonings behind it? All right. Is there a possibility he could turn a corner later in the year or the percentage is so bad that it doesn't matter? I, I, I'm just looking at the percentages and at what point do I, now I, I determined my list pre firing of Fizdale. So now I'm thinking to myself, Oh, okay. Are, are we actually going to, are we actually going to get some semblance of coaching out of him? Which I don't know. You know, I'm not, nah. I'm not overly optimistic because yeah, it's Knicks, still the, it's still, the, it's still the Knicks. Yeah. So I, I think like you said, it's, what 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 are we investing in here? And I tried to look at some of the other numbers and just the some of the contested shots and the mid range stuff and just those you know hey he you know some of the stats that scream he takes you know minimum four to six dribbles per per shot before you know foisting up you know or, or over fifty percent has a, his closest defender within two feet of him you know those types of things. He's off the charts on on those. So I look at this and I say, all right, he's he's clearly a talented kid, but he needs to be coached. And right now he's just simply not getting that. And he's basically considered the future of the franchise. So again, they're going to keep trotting him out there regardless of Fisdale or no Fisdale. And as long as they keep doing that, that means he's going to kill you in field goals in free throws and in turnovers. And again, he's not, he's not that great of a three point shooter either. So add like add all those things up and you, you're basically throwing away with one player. You're throwing away four categories, basically. Isn't it kind of amazing that the Knicks actually have a couple of those guys on their team right now? I'm, I'm so fed up with Julius. I'm so fed up with Julius Randall. He's driving me nuts. It's bad. It's bad. I I could throw him in the scissors category also. It's it's nuts. So it's, what about it, what about it, from a value standpoint on RJ though? Uh, 
I feel like people are going to struggle with the idea of of dropping this kid who I you know there's there is obviously some upside there just from the counting yeah. stats department. Do you think you could get anything for him in a trade? I'm sure somebody out there thinks the second half is going to be better than the first. See, the problem here, Dan, is that you're on the West Coast and I play in leagues with a number of <laughs> Knicks fans that if I were to offer him up, uh, I would probably get I could probably pull like a, a like a top hundred to top one fifty guy for him, you know, in one of those leagues. Like, so I'm looking at, you know, I think they'll fully realize that oh god, his free, you know, his field goal percentage is terrible, his free throw percentage is terrible, but he's averaging I don't know like 14 points a game and and a few rebounds and 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 this and that. So they'll look at the popcorn stats and not the percentages. And, and worse is that they'll, they'll probably have some trepidation with the percentages, but won't realize, well, it's, it, they're killers because he's taking so many shots and he's taking mm. so many free throws and, get, and, and, and getting those percentages for that reason. Um, if I had to look at a bunch of different guys, again, this is a, this is a great opportunity to see if you wanted to move him and you were and someone was soured on oh i don't know like a Lori Markinen, for example a guy who has been awful all season but we know the upside that he possesses mm-hmm. like that's the kind of trade that i would would try to pitch to to a diehard Knicks fan what about fellow uh, percentage killer Aaron Gordon he's in the 140 range and we all sort of can't stand his fantasy game but he's better than rj barrett right now i'd consider that but uh, yeah i think you know my hatred for aaron gordon <laughs> okay. at this point forget that one what about um, yeah. rj barrett for miles bridges which way are you going on that one i would go bridges okay what about uh kendrick nunn you there's probably going to be very few players that you can throw out there that, that I you're... <laughs> probably wouldn't say yes to for rj barrett <laughs> All right. What about some more? Um, bo- well, let me let me go to more boring. Like go players go then. deep, go deep here. Yeah. I'm gonna go boring instead of deep. Instead, oh, okay, of, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. What about uh, like Dario Saric when Phoenix gets healthy? Uh, yeah, I would I would take Saric. Okay. Even even through the boring factor. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. What about uh, board boring captain of the universe Georgia Hill in Milwaukee? Ooh. Now, now, see now there I might draw a line. See. Um, and now, he's number one thirteen. Yeah. But he's I know. So boring. Obviously, it's you know, it's you look at the value and 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 us smart players be like, oh, of course you take George Hill. But I think if if for argument's sake, I would probably say, you know what, like this is probably bottom of the barrel for R.J. Barrett, and there's no upside in a guy like George Hill. Right. So that's probably where I draw the line. Okay, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Josh, can we do it again? Can we have another Josh Day next week? I I, I don't want to, you know. I know Brandon Day is a bit trademarked here, so we're going to have to come up with something kitschy for me. But I, I'd be more than happy to have a, a day. TBD to be determined scissor day, scissor day. Uh, to be a, to be determined named Josh Day. Well, uh, he's at Josh Millman on Twitter. So, Josh, I will bid you adieu on this one and wish you a very lovely, happy Scissor Day. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me on, my man. The marvelous Josh Millman, ladies and gentlemen, will be having him on regularly i hope here on the uh the podcast going forward let's segue now into the monday results i mean i already told you guys about uh rating and reviewing the podcast and following on uh following me on twitter big thank you everybody by the way that followed the 
Uh, the Bruise Letter this week. The Bruise Letter was a fun one. Came out on Monday. A lot of you guys got it. I think we're, geez, we're like a couple thousand now that are on the, the Bruise Letter mailing list. It's pretty amazing, actually, how fast that thing has taken off. If you're now one of the people not on the mailing list, you are missing out. So get on it, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. You guys should know this by now, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. It's free. There's no reason not to. It's free. Anyway, uh, Clippers at Pacers, Paul George returning to Indiana, and he came ready to go, although it took him 26 shots to get there, but he had a big ball game. Uh, Pat Beverly was also fantastic in this one, and he does have a tendency to go a little bigger when they're down a man or two. Uh, Mo Harkless played well with no Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi will miss, by the way, another game later on this week. They've got a back-to-back uh, towards the weekend. So you might see another better one from Beverly, better one from uh, Harkless if you're looking ahead. And and generally, Lou Williams is not going to be this terrible. He went 2 for 19 in this game. It's, by the way, why I've been relatively low on Sweet Lou. Not this game in particular, but he has, aside from the free throw stuff, a very limited fantasy appeal. He has to go crazy high volume to justify the stuff that he lacks. He doesn't get steals or blocks. His three-pointers are actually not as high as you might think. He's at like 1.8 this year, uh, which is up from last season, actually, but down from the previous two years. Remember, he went on that crazy run two seasons back with the Clips. Uh, he had all the freedom in the world, and he's still taking a lot of shots, but there's just there's something lacking in his game, and it's most likely field goal percent and defensive stats, but he's sitting right now around 140 in 9-cat, he has way more name value than that. Sort of the funny little side story on Lou Williams. You can probably get way more for him than you should. In any event, Clippers won. Indy lost. Uh, Miles Turner had a rough one. Again, he just hasn't been heavily involved on offense. But, of course, some of that is shooting percentage. It's very low this year. He's not getting the good looks. He's not getting the pick-and-roll plays the way that he did with Darren Collison and Victor Oladipo last year. And I, I have to assume that Oladipo's return is actually going to help Miles Turner a little bit. Just someone that he's played with, someone that can get him into the flow a little bit better. Uh, guys like TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb will probably take a little bit of a hit. Demontis Sabonis is just cruising, and he is eating up all the rebounds. I mean, nobody can get any besides that dude. Uh, and, and he didn't shoot the ball well either. They shot 35% as a team, so of course they lost. Malcolm Brogdon is obviously peeled off hard. He was one of those crazy sell-high guys to start the year. Remember, he was sitting inside the top 10 for a couple of weeks. He's now at number 40 because over the last month, he's actually been number 92. And while we still love Brogdon, he's not a big steals and blocks guy. He's a good percentages guy. The other stuff is coming back to earth. You're seeing more of what he likely will be, which is top 50-ish range, 40 to 60 range for the year. Hopefully you guys were able to sell him off for somebody in the top 30 earlier on this season. We haven't heard a whole lot out of Oladipo. He's been practicing, so I can't imagine he's all that far off. Uh, this would probably be a decent time to buy him, but we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. Actually, the topic, Brandon and I usually do buy low, sell high. This week we're doing a special uh, injury buy low, sell high coming up. That's on uh, tomorrow's show. Cleveland is terrible. Uh, they actually had briefly made this thing a ball game and then ended up getting clobbered late. Jordan Clarkson of the uh, Cleveland shoot-first barrage brigade, whatever you want to call him, 
Uh, had 19-3-3 off the bench in 25 minutes. Colin Sexton had 8 points on 14 shots. Darius Garland had 9 points on 11 shots. Those two combined for 17 points on 25 shots. Kevin Love, 7 points on 12 shots. Tristan Thompson had 17 and 11, but he went 1 for 7 at the free throw line, so ruined his, what actually could have been a really nice game if he made, you know, I don't even, 4 or 5 of his 7 free throws. That would have been a 20 and 10 night, but instead he took a wet dump on it with the free throw stripe. Uh, and of course they got smoked. Kemba Walker, 22 points, 5 threes, 7 assists. Jason Tatum, 19, 11, 4 defensive stats. Jalen Brown, 20 and 7. And Gordon Hayward made his triumphant return, only had to play 26 minutes in a blowout win, but did have 14, 5, and 4 with a steal on 7 out of 10 shooting. He just picked up right where he left off in the efficiency department. He was shooting 56% before getting hurt earlier this year. He's not going to hit a boatload of three-pointers. He's probably going to get you a round one steal a game, so you really need the efficiency stuff. He, if he can get back into what he was doing before, also likely qualifies as a sell-high candidate. Toronto somehow beat Chicago. They had no business winning this game, but the Bulls uh, kind of peed themselves down the stretch. Sadoransky double-doubled, so that looked good. Chris Dunn was in constant foul trouble. I still like him. Everybody's entitled to a game where they're just not in the mix at all. Wendell Carter Jr. also fouled out. Lowry Markinen had to deal with Marcus Gasol, and so that wasn't great for his numbers. Zach Levine had 20 in the first half and then didn't score in the second half. He did have 11 rebounds and 6 assists, but overall... Honestly, I don't know how the Bulls stayed in front for most of this game when they just couldn't score after the halftime break. Raptors shot 38% and won. Serge Ibaka double-doubled in 18 minutes. That's kind of weird. Marcus Gasol played 29 minutes, and he was actually pretty good in this game. So as much as I've clobbered him, um, and I actually even did so in our discussion with uh, Josh Millman, which we recorded before this ball game ended, he had 9-9 nine and nine, uh, with 5 assists, 2 steals, and 4 blocks. He's... Been a little better lately than he was earlier in the year. I still hold my same rage at his complete disinterest on the offensive side, but he's been number 115 over the last month. Some of that, of course, is the defensive stats. If he ever showed any interest at all in taking a shot or two, he could rock it into value pretty fast. And every time he does this, he bribes, he sort of buys himself another game or two. Uh, Norman Powell played well with no Freddie Van Fleet. And that's sort of the story on that one. I'm, uh, by the way, I am holding on Chris Dunn. I still like Tomas Sadoransky an awful lot on the Chicago side. Detroit with a win at New Orleans in this ball game. The uh, the the rumors of his demise were greatly exaggerated. Deal with Derrick Rose had 21.7 assists. He even hit a three pointer for good measure. Uh, field goal percent has has been good for him this year. He takes a lot of shots at the rim. He's shooting 48 and a half percent. He's outside the top 100 after kind of a slow spell following that big start. This game will obviously help. It's just nice to see Detroit in a competitive ball game. They've played an inordinate number of blowouts. Uh, but finally, they had a couple of closer ones with Indiana and now the Pels. And Derrick Rose is averaging something like 18 and 6 in those games. And that'll, uh, that'll certainly help his cause overall. Prior to that, they got blown out by Milwaukee. They blew out Cleveland. They blew out San Antonio. They had a competitive game with Charlotte twice. And, of course, Derrick Rose had one pretty good game in there. Blowout with Orlando. Blowout with Milwaukee. Blowout with Atlanta. Blowouts with Chicago. And then they had a close one with Charlotte, if you go all the way back. So it's been a weird stretch for Detroit. Uh, Luke Kennard, as we've said before, may, continues to be a, a hard sell-high guy. Andre Drummond was in foul trouble early it didn't even really need him late. And Blake Griffin was horrible. I mean, truly bad. 
and I'm so glad I dodged him everywhere. He's looking like one of the worst picks in fantasy, not named Julius Randle. At least Blake Griffin does something every once in a while. He's only number 181, whereas the pathetic Julius Randle is number 263. Yeesh. Brandon Ingram soaking up all the usage. That's, I mean, from a a numbers standpoint, it's good. He made all five of his free throws and hit four three-pointers again, so the regression hasn't hit quite yet. But from a ball movement and team perspective, I don't know that Ingram's making his other guys better. What can they do about that? Not much. They definitely need a center to actually hold down the fort. By the way, I think Derek Favors is expected to play in their next ballgame. He rejoined the team. They had some videos of him uh, playing around with the guys at shoot-around, but I think they wanted him to get a practice under his belt before throwing him back into the fire. He's so much better than Jaleel Okafor and the young Jackson Hayes right now. Uh, you know they're just going to dump him straight in there. Meanwhile, Josh Hart, who the rest of the universe was saying to drop, and I said, let's give him a game or two more, actually had an okay ball game. Lonzo Ball was not good. J.J. Redick really tripped and fell on his face in this one. And, of course, that's the fear here is that if somebody gets going like Hart did, he played a little better, someone's going to suffer, and in this one it was Redick. But I'm holding both of those guys. I I legitimately believe that there are a lot of nights where all of them are going to have value. Ingram, Hart. Ball, Holiday, Redick, even Favors when he comes back. Because Pelicans, the Pelicans want to play a game that's that's more than 208 combined points. And as evidenced by the fact that the total coming to this one was 228. Sacramento with a one-point road win at Houston. Rashawn Holmes has been so freaking brilliant this year. And he did it again. 16-8, and eight, four steals, two blocks, five out of seven shooting, eight for eight at the free throw line. Buddy Heald was good enough uh, to get him over the hump. He shot the ball well. Nemanja Bjelica, 17-5-4, three steals. His time is almost done. Harrison Barnes was decent enough. Bogdan Bogdanovich is trending down pretty hard here. Trevor Ariza actually played okay again. He's The usage is so low that it makes him a pretty difficult guy to trust, but I will say that over the last, I guess it's now four ball games, he's been better. I just, when Marvin Bagley comes back, I can't see Ariza still getting those 25 minutes. And you're, we're going to need to see some more three-pointers out of him to to justify throwing a, an old fart like that out there. So I, I, he's on a watch list, but I'm not picking him up. Um, and Corey Joseph finally actually took a few shots, which probably helped the cause. And that'll happen with Houston. They, I mean, they want these high-scoring games too. This one was one that did finally go over on the docket tonight, and it worked out great for the Kings. Russell Westbrook, 34-3-8. Weird to see him not get double-digit rebounds, but that's because our old guy, P.J. Tucker, grabbed 19 of them. Mm-mm-mm. Love it. Big numbers across the board for Houston. James Harden had a pretty good ball game beside, uh, aside from the eight turnovers. Ben McLemore uh, cooled off a bit, still had four three-pointers and two blocks. Austin Rivers was a late scratch, so I think you saw more Gary Clark and more Ben McLemore. Uh, PJ Tucker, we already talked about Daniel House had 11 points, a rebound, two assists, three threes, and a block. Didn't shoot the ball all that well, but he's rolling again. And then Clint Capella had a pretty empty double double uh, with three missed free throws, but overall he's been solid as well. Orlando, Milwaukee, we're never really concerned with much on the Milwaukee side. They're a fairly predictable lot. Uh, for Orlando, Evan Fournier just continues to rumble right along in an almost unbelievable way. I thought maybe I had lost my mind. As you may recall, I had Fournier on my old man squad last year as a guy that was getting drafted way too late and had sat right around top 85, top 90 the entire previous season. That's two years ago. 
So then last year, he came out and he just shot the ball horribly, 43.8% for the year. His scoring was down, and his threes were down, and his free throw percent was back down again after 86 the previous season. And I thought, well, maybe I just had this guy tagged all kinds of wrong. And then this year, he comes back out. He's shooting the lights out, which probably won't hold all season long. And I don't know that he's going to take 14 shots all year. Uh, But his free throw numbers are solid, and he's getting to the line. His steals are up ever so slightly. The assists and rebounds are pretty much right in line. So he's scoring 20 points a game. Even if that comes down a little bit, he's at 55 right now. I think he's actually going to be a solid roster guy all season long. Not 55, but could easily sit right where he was two seasons back in that 80 to 95 range. And he's looking more like the guy that I thought he was going to be last year. I just missed by a year. Jonathan Isaac, 10-9 and nine with five blocks in this ball game. Gotta like that. Uh, DJ Augustine at 13 and five, Markel Fultz at 13 and nine. So they're still kind of fighting over that point guard stuff. Terrence Ross stayed hot with 23. We told you when he got warm, he could do some damage pretty quick. Uh, when he cools off again, things will uh, devolve a tiny bit, but he's been solid, man. He's had uh, eight threes his last two ball games, three, two, three, four, four over his last five. And he's just shooting along these days, and you haven't heard a whole lot about him. He's been. Top 80 over the last couple of weeks, and over the last week, he's been top 60. Now, that's the Ross that most of us figured would be getting. It just took him a little bit to get there. Oklahoma City throttled the Utah Jazz. Things are not great for Utah right now. Joe Ingles at least filled in admirably for Mike Conley, so the stream worked. The advice there was good. Steven Adams, very efficient ball game. He looks much better these days. But Nerlens Noel is still playing enough to be rostered 4-6-4 and four with a steal and a block. Uh, Shea was good outside of his percentages. That's been hurting us. Schroeder had 27. That's what we surmised on the premium show, that he would get the uptick in usage with no Danilo Gallinari. Even though we saw more Lugens Dort and a start from Darius Baisley, that it would definitely be Schroeder doing more. And sure enough, it was. Dennis took 21 shots to lead the team, scored 27 points. Chris Paul continues to just play fantastic point guard. 16-4-7 with three steals, only one turnover. That crazy assist-to-turnover ratio is back where it always is. And by the way, by the way, those of you that hate Chris Paul, you have every reason to do so. But those of you that hate him in fantasy... You whiffed on it, uh, what's turning out to be a really nice deal so far. He's number uh, 23 in 9-cat with those turnovers going down, the percentages back where they should have been pre-Houston era. Free throws are going in. The only thing I'd want to see is more than 5.8 assists per game. I want to see some more 8s and 9s in that department. But you're starting to get a little bit picky there. You know, I, I, He was getting drafted in the 30s, and he's cruising along well ahead of his ADP. He's inside the top 20 in totals value because somehow he's actually staying healthy this year. I, I don't I don't know what they're what they put in the water out there in Oklahoma City, but it's working. Phoenix beat up on Minnesota. No surprise, surprise, they had Aaron Baines back for this ball game. As Baines goes, so go the uh Phoenix Suns. Mikhail Bridges is actually pretty good in this one. Thirty two minutes, nine and eight, three steals, two blocks. I, I don't know that we can necessarily trust him on a night-to-night basis. It was weird to see him play as much as he did in this ballgame. Uh, he's, he's actually had okay numbers for three or four games in a row. And there's not an obvious name missing right now that's allowing him to do more. You're just seeing very little Frank Kaminsky, which is helpful. 
Uh, minimal Aaron Baines in this one. He was on a, a, a minutes cap coming back from his, his various ailments. Uh, so they went a little bit smaller. You saw more Dario Sharch at center, which, as we've mentioned, as long as he's seeing center minutes, he can be effective. But uh, DeAndre Aiden's back in a week. Booker, Ubre, Rubio, those guys are all obvious must-start guys. Bridges is someone you should definitely have on your watch list because if things ever get going in the right direction for him, if they ever steadily feed him 25 to 30 minutes, and I don't know that that's necessarily coming down the pike anytime soon, uh, he'd be solid. On the Timberwolves side, Jeff Teague looked good coming off the bench in 28 minutes despite the losing effort. Uh, Jared Culver was not good. He had five fouls as well, just never really got into the mix. Rob Covington had a rare uh, total clunko of a game. He'd actually been quietly pretty dang good so far. And then Memphis and Golden State, John Morant made his return, and that, of course, kind of ruined things for some of the other point guards. Tyus Jones saw a little bit more time than DeAnthony Melton, uh, but both of those guys go back to being unrosterable. Da-da-da-da-da-da. And Ja is set. Uh, Dylan Brooks had the rare, better ball game. For the Warriors, Alec Burks was actually uh, pretty good. Draymond Green was a little bit more engaged. But, I mean, really, I've said it before, I don't know that you can trust almost anyone on this team right now. Um, Draymond playing a little bit more, which is, I guess that's encouraging. This is just what we were hoping for. D'Angelo Russell, Draymond actually putting up some decent numbers over this stretch where they don't have a bunch of back-to-backs, and then you can move them. And here's the beauty part. This is how you'll know it's the right moment. This is, this is my last key thought. Uh, this is my last key thought for this uh, Monday recap. As soon as you feel like you're going to regret trading somebody, that's the time to trade them. I had it with Eric Bledsoe earlier this year when Chris Middleton went down and he popped off for like 30 and nine. And I thought, Ugh, I can't, I can't sell this guy right now. He's cruising. How can I possibly, what, what, what am I, what am I, some sort of savage? Yes, that's the moment. So let's say Draymond and D'Angelo put up two, three really good ones in a row. And now it's worth noting. Let's see who these guys are actually going to be playing here over the next couple of ball games. Uh, they got the Knicks. That's one where they could put up some numbers. Utah, that'll be tougher. Sacramento, they're playing a little slower. Portland, a little faster. So it's not what you'd call a really juicy stretch here by any means. It's not the worst. It's not the best. It's sort of hovering right in the middle. So it's not a particularly great stretch from a matchup standpoint, but it is a stretch where those two guys are probably going to be playing in games unless one of them or both of them get actually hurt a little bit. Doesn't have to be bad. Still... You know, let's say Draymond has two, three good games in a row, and you're like, hey, maybe this guy really could be top 60 for the year. That is precisely when you got to go get a top 75 guy for him and then just get the H out of Dodge. Same deal, D'Angelo Russell, but a little bit higher on your mark. Aim for, you know, top 60, top 65, something like that. It is not worth the headache that this is going to be. They are going to convince you over this stretch, and I'm warning you over and over again, this stretch will try to convince you that those guys are worth holding on to. But this is a very convenient stretch of games for the Golden State Warriors. I said it uh, even before they began. I think it was like three games back. I said, look, the Warriors have this back-to-back on the first and second of the month. So they're all sitting out against the Hawks, and they got their butts kicked. And then the Warriors are going to play their regulars against the Hornets, the Bulls, the Grizz, 
the Knicks, the Jazz, the Kings, the Blazers, the Pels, the Wolves, the Rockets on Christmas Day, the Suns on the 27th, and then, oops, back-to-back. Their next back-to-back after that is actually a few games out as well. So you might have another potential secondary window. I don't actually think they have a back-to-back the entire month of January. Is that possible? You guys can double-check me on this, but they might not have a back-to-back from that point till the All-Star break. So you've got this window, and it's longer than the 10 games. I just thought that this would be a pretty nice cross-section to look at. Uh, I, I, I truly thought they had one in the beginning of January, but I guess I mid- misread that somewhere. So the issue is, and this is the reason I still like this stretch for the Warriors, no one's hurt right now. And if they can make it through this stretch without Draymond Green having, you know, a jammed finger or D'Angelo Russell having a slightly tweaked ankle or, you know, a sore arm or something, they'll just let them play a little bit. This team is tanking by all accounts. There's no reason for them to, to run their guys into the ground. So if anything at all goes wrong, they'll sit them. It's an easy decision. It's a truly easy decision. So you don't need to roll the dice. As I just mentioned, I guess you could try to hold them through the all-star break, but you don't need to roll the dice that way. If you find that you can actually get some value for these dudes, you've got the window to do it. Get it before they get hurt. Get it before they hit any back-to-backs. Get it before any of these things crop back up again. They're pre-tanking pretty solidly these days. You know, they don't even need to. They're, They're just losing. Outright losing. The Warriors are 5-19, and 19, uh, which is the second-worst record in the league to just the hapless New York Knicks. So uh, they don't have to lose a ton of extra ball games right now. Pels are 6-18. and 18, Cavs are 5-18. and 18. So, yeah, there's some other teams clustered around them. Hawks are going to get John Collins back, so they'll probably move out of that chunk. I'm really surprised the Pelicans are this bad. I, I, I thought people were going nuts to call them a playoff team, but this is... Uh, fairly surprising. I know they've been without Zion and, and without favors, but they got to find a way to back into a win every once in a while. This is this is real bad. Um, also probably illustrates how good Anthony Davis is too. So go get what you can for these guys. I do think there are going to be some resting days in there. The back-to-backs, as I mentioned, are not soon, but little injuries do happen. Get what you can when you can. Tomorrow, Brandon Day. Well, again, we'll talk about uh, the, the the ability to buy or sell guys that are hurt, when to do it, how to do it, and what sort of value to throw out there. We've got some key names coming up uh, with suspensions ending, with Kings coming back, with depots perhaps coming back. So there are some really key things to talk about tomorrow. We'll, of course, uh, finish up the Tuesday recap. There's only four games, Washington, Charlotte. Uh, obviously, we're watching Washington. Isaiah Thomas out for another week, so you can stream Ish Smith. Mo Wagner's on the radar Denver and Nikola Jokic against Joel Embiid. If this doesn't wake him up, I don't know what will. Josh Richardson, by the way, is questionable. Atlanta, Miami. Miami, we're keeping an eye on whatever the hell's going on out there with a bunch of guys hurt. Tyler Harrow, Kendrick Nunn probably move back across the good side of the cut line. But mostly it's Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo with nods to Duncan Robinson and Kelly Olynyk. Atlanta, Kevin Herter is the name to watch to see if he can put together a growing week, a growing portfolio, body of work, whatever you want to call it. The Knicks, game two under the new coach. Can they actually get something going? Can Julius Randle please stop sucking? And then the Portland Trailblazers, Kent Bazemore. I want to watch a lot of these games. I want to watch Denver-Philly because it's going to be fun. I want to watch New York-Portland because I think there's going to be fantasy stuff going on. I want to watch Atlanta-Miami because I think there's fantasy stuff going on. I want to watch Washington because there's fantasy. Ah, 
I can't take it. Short card on Tuesday, but I want to watch all of them. Whatever. You guys can help me out with it. We'll all watch a game. Everything is a homework assignment uh, except the Charlotte side of the Charlotte-Washington game. <laughs> oh, man. Can we watch seven of the eight teams coming up tonight? In any event, we'll obviously talk about it tomorrow. Big thank you once again to Josh Millman. At Josh Millman, J-O-S-H, that's easy. Millman, M-I-L-L-M-A-N, that's also easy. At Josh Millman on Twitter, hit him up. He will answer your questions. He has incredible insights, and he's a hell of a writer. He's actually good at a lot of stuff, as you just heard from the podcast. He's a talker, he's a writer, he can do it all, and he is the pride of hoop-ball.com. Give him a follow. As mentioned, I am Dan Bespris. Rate and review the show. Hit me up if you want to join the team. You guys know the deal. Sign up for the Brews letter next week. And with that, for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy NBA Today, we bid you all adieu. Have a wonderful night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.